Welcome and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. What is religious or spiritual faith? Where does faith come from? Those are the questions we tackle today. This is a continuation of our Alpha Sermon series. And here's First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chun. We continue our Alpha series, going over the basics of the Christian faith. And we come to this simple but penetrating question and topic for our talk today, how can we have faith? Living a life with or without faith can make a major difference in our lives. As a pastor who has visited hundreds in the hospital, it's not uncommon for me to hear a patient say, wow, if I didn't have any faith, I don't know how I could get through this. And I've heard that said over and over again. As I help people who are sick, grieving, going through the pain of divorce or financial or family matter, they said, man, if I didn't have my faith, how would I get through this? And having a faith, specifically a Christian faith, seems to make a major difference in helping people get through life. So, how can one have faith? And this talk, hopefully, will give some practical advice. For many people, the sequence is like this. Facts, then faith, then feelings. Never base faith on just feelings but on facts first. Imagine a train. Facts is the locomotive, then comes faith, the passenger car, and then comes feelings, the caboose. And when people say, I don't feel good about God, it always helps to go back to the locomotive or the first car by looking at the facts and promises from and about God. And by doing that, our faith grows. And then the good feelings come. So why does faith normally start with facts? If you're about to sit in a chair, you might say, I have sat in many chairs before. They have not let me down. They support my weight. They are firm. I see their their structure made out of wood or metal, and they are made of sturdy materials. And the design of the four legs has been architecturally proven to be stable. Therefore, I have faith based on these facts that when I sit down on a chair, it will not crash and bring me down to the floor. So then I have a feeling of confidence that the next chair I sit in will be reliable due to the facts of past sitting and examining the structure of the chair of which I am about to sit. Hence, I have the faith when I want to sit down on a chair I will be relaxed and have the feelings of confidence that all will be well as I sit down. Facts, faith, feelings. But let's dig a little deeper on faith, which is the prime topic for today, and specifically a Christian faith. Faith is derived from basically three facts-based sources. Number one, the Word of God. Number two, the work of Christ. And number three, the witness of the Holy Spirit. The Bible is a 
reliable historical document as you have heard Pastor Chris talk about it previously. It is a fact that the Bible is a key resource for Christians on how God wants us to live. And the writers of the New Testament, which is the account um, about Jesus, were written within his generation. So it's not like secondhand knowledge. And the Apostle Paul, who had a close encounter with Jesus, wrote this in the Bible. So faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the word of Christ. Much of the ancient world back then used the oral tradition to pass on life's lessons. Same with our Hawaiian culture. Oral tradition was important. But the word also comes in written form as the Bible writers began to take the oral tradition and write down the words and put them on paper or papyrus. And we have learned from the Dead Sea Scrolls that were discovered that the copying even of centuries ago were exactly what we have written in the Word today. The scriptures transported well and accurately into this century. So even in modern times, the spoken Word is powerful and has timeless, eternal effect. You know, it was hard uh, when we had to once cancel our in-person Christmas Eve service uh, planned for December 23rd. And our staff and our vendors who put on the service um, <clears throat> got um, very sick and uh, they had COVID and we had to postpone just seven hours prior to going on live stream. Now, for one of the services, due to technical difficulties, we had to run a Christmas Eve service from the year prior. But the word, no matter if it is lived or taped or recorded, is eternally powerful. Even though it was a recorded service from the previous year, I gave my usual invitation for people to follow Christ, and I prayed for people to get healed. And it turned out that several people were healed when I prayed, and several made a commitment of faith. The word is powerful even when recorded um, for with God, there's really no timeline. So let me give you another supernatural example of the power of the word. Actor David Suchet who, um, played Detective Hercule Poirot in the 70-part Agatha Christie mystery series. And in 1986, he was in a hotel, in a bathtub actually, when he suddenly had this impulsive desire to read the Bible. Suchet, Suchet found a, a Bible in the, his room provided by the hotel, and he began reading what is called the Book of Acts, letters written by the Apostle Paul. And then he read some of Paul's other letters in, in the Bible. Then he began to read the Gospel stories, which are the biographies of Jesus in the Bible. And as he read, he encountered Jesus Christ and said, and I quote, I discovered the way life should be followed. He later said, I'm a Christian by faith. I like to think it sees me through a great deal of my life. Did you hear that? After reading the Bible, the word of God, David Suchet, Suchet uh, then said he became a Christian by faith first facts, the data of Jesus' life recording in the Bible, 
then faith, then feelings. And as an act of faith, David Suchet later recorded the entire Bible that you can hear on the YouVersion app. It's my favorite Bible app, actually, that I listen to all the time on my walks with my dogs. David Suchet, reading the Bible. And in just 78 hours, you can hear the entire Bible, just like our Just Show Up Bible listening program in our church, which is another option. You can do that in community with other people listening. Such a deal. Or by yourself, you can do that as you drive or sit or walk or jog or exercise listening to the Bible. From the facts of the Word of God in the Bible, we come to the second point, the work of Christ. Now, as you have heard in uh, previous Alpha Talks, um, God, as Jesus, came to earth. And He lived with us, and He taught us, and He then died for us to remove sin in our lives. And the Apostle Paul wrote this quite succinctly. He wrote, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. As a free gift from God, Christ died for us and says he offers us a life that we have always wanted. Free gift. I don't know about you, but when I hear about free gifts, at times I can get quite cynical. Now and then I get phone calls or emails or letters telling me that I have just won a free million dollars and if I would just contact them and give them all the pertinent data about my life, like my social security number and my bank account numbers and my credit card numbers, then they will send me the money. It's a scam. It, it, you have, you've gotten those letters, I'm sure, or, or they have a, a different twist, like um, your friend is stuck in Africa and needs $20,000 to be wired right now to this account to save them. And then you realize your friend is vacationing in Kauai and not in Africa. And it is a scam. And if you ever ask me for money from a faraway land, sorry, I will think it's a con artist and I won't help you. And if you ever get a letter from the church asking for such private financial information, you know it's a scam. So when we hear of free gift, free gift, we can't believe it. So you tell me that Jesus offers me the free gift of eternal salvation and be in heaven and in addition an abundant, fulfilling life here on earth and strength in the midst of suffering, free gift? Must be a scam, too good to be true. Free gift from God, the Bible says? No way. But friends, some free gifts are true. And here's a true story. You know, once a friend of mine um, owned a neighbor island hotel and invited my entire family to be his guests free of charge. <clears throat> and we got there. Um, I knew we had to pay for our food, but our room was free. And then the hotel staff offered my family activities like archery and horseback riding and boat rides around the island. But I said no to my kids since we couldn't afford it, especially when I saw the prices in the hotel brochure. The staff was kind of upselling me. 
and the plane fares to get to my get my family to the neighbor islands and the meals and the rental car were costly enough. Weeks later, I met the owner, my friend, and he said, "Hey, hope you had a good time. Wasn't it fun? Everything I made available for you at no cost." The horses, the archery, the rides around the island—everything. What? The staff wasn't upselling me. They were offering on their boss's orders to present these options, but they didn't tell me it was free. I didn't have the heart to tell my friend that we didn't take advantage of the enormity of his free gift. I blew it when he said we were his guests. He meant it in a larger way than I thought. Hey, the moral of the story is, I, on behalf of my boss and Lord Jesus, is telling you today that Jesus owns the hotel of this life, and He builds it, and He offers the free gift of living in His generosity in this life and in heaven, as He promised us in the Gospel of John. Metaphorically, he said, "There's a huge house, a mansion in heaven with many, many rooms. If we decide, if we decide to accept his free gift, you can go there. In addition, Jesus died for you, and we receive his gift of eternal life through his gift of a relationship with him, and we receive this gift with faith and repentance." It's a way of turning our lives over to Him in faith. Now, repentance can sound like super heavy, right? But all it is is really a word that involves humility. All repentance is is the realization that one is not perfect, and there's some things we are sorry for having done. And repentance is wanting、um, to turn away from bad stuff in our life. That doesn't do us any good anyway, and when you think of it that way, repentance is not that bad. And yes, the work of Christ is that He died for us, but in response to that, it would be good to change our ways and repent, which basically means turn in a different direction to avoid bad behavior. And think of this: God never asks us. To give up things that are good for us, he just says, "Get rid of that junk and turn away from that." Repentance is basically turning away from junk stuff that doesn't do us any good. And the hard thing is that a lot of the stuff we really love is so attractive and tasty that it's hard to turn away from it. I mean, I love Krispy Kreme donuts. Tiramisu, banana cream pies, chocolate eclairs, and tonic water. But I have to turn away from sugary stuff because it's not good for me, and for most of us. And you might say, then, well, then, Dan, just drink diet soda. Well, diet soda to me is like dyed soda, unless it's Pepsi. Now. I love smoking cigars, <clears throat> but one cigar is like smoking three packs of cigarettes in nicotine. 
So I rarely do that, <clears throat> maybe only three times a year. And partially in honor of my friend, Don Parker, who died. But I really love cigars. And any of you fill in the blank. I mean, whether it's cakes or pies or alcohol, they're all attractive, but for many, it is good not to eat or drink any of it due to one, one's health. Yes, there is a cost to living in a healthy way. And there is a cost to being a disciple, a follower of Jesus, to live in the way of Christ, to be responsible in business or in the environment, um, in relationships. Sometimes people talk about the cost of being a Christian and how we should live. But the cost of being a Christian is nothing compared to the cost of not being a Christian. And let me add this. The cost of being a Christian is nothing compared to what it cost Jesus to make it possible for us to have a relationship with God. And this leads us now from the Word of God to the work of Christ to finally the witness of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's how the Holy Spirit helps us. Remember, I said it is facts, then faith, then feelings. And after we have made a commitment to Christ based on facts and our faith is growing, then comes the feeling of the presence of God. And when we make a commitment to God, God sends his Holy Spirit to dwell in our soul and we can feel the presence of God. And we might even hear or feel a prompting from him. We might even feel his love or a sense of peace. And God doesn't abandon us after we make that commitment. He hugs us more and desires a stronger relationship, a relationship of friendship with us. Jesus said when he left us just before um, uh, leaving earth, Jesus told his disciples that he would send his Holy Spirit, and the Spirit would be known as the Comforter and Counselor. And, and, and when I read that, uh, when I first read that, I remember, man, you know, I need all the comfort and the counsel I can get in life. We need constant help and the presence of God. And you know what's one of the primary ways the Holy Spirit helps us? He reminds us of the facts of God. He reminds us of the promises God made to us that we can read or hear in the Bible. And sometimes we need the Spirit's help to transform our culture that is so deeply ingrained in us. You know, um, <clears throat> speaking about things ingrained in us, one of the attributes of an Asian culture is um, shame. In fact, there are many cultures that emphasize shame. And if you do something wrong, you feel shame. Or worse, the, the shame leads you to think um, you need to take your life because you have done something shameful and you better own it or hurt yourself, cut yourself, do away with yourself. But hear this, especially you who might be feeling some shame right now, with God, there's no reason to carry that shame. God is not the kind who wants to shame you. And when he died on the cross for you, 
He took on the penalty and shame for anything you might have done wrong. He paid the price for it already. And you can be free and unburdened by it. And that's why the gospel is called the good news. He already paid the price. You don't dare pay the price a second time. I mean, a friend, if a friend pays for your dinner, you wouldn't say to the waiter, um, I'd like to bill, pay for the bill a second time. Jesus fully, fully paid for it. God wants to bring you into wholeness. He is the judge in your life, not you. Don't make yourself the judge and the jury. God is the judge, and he has set you free because he already paid the penalty. In addition, God has sent to you, who desire to follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Don't follow the shame policy of this world. The Bible says, by contrast, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. Faith begins with the realization that God loves you so much, so much. And so forget the cynicism and the sarcasm and the criticism and the blame game of the world, especially what you might read online in different apps or whatever, and just don't do it to yourself. There may be someone out there watching right now who might want to do harm to yourself. And I'm here to say, don't do it. Call a helpline instead and try God or let a friend know right now. A helpline, by the way, would, would have professionals who would confidentially help you. No blame, no shame. I want to end with a story. It's, it's a story about a verse or quote from Jesus before he leaves earth written in the very last book of the Bible. It's called the book of Revelation. And he says in, in the message version of the Bible this. Jesus says, look at me. I stand at the door. I knock. If you hear me call and open the door, I'll come right in and sit down to supper with you. I love this verse. It was one of the first verses I memorized as a Christian. And I like it because it's so personal. It's all about Jesus wanting to hang out with me and eat with me. And, and food is like the way communities gather and share and talk story, right? He didn't want a business meeting with me. There would be no um, blame or shame, just affirming talk. He wants to eat and have a fellowship, which is the word he chose um, in the Bible. He says, I want to be your friend. He wants a friendship with us. He says, he said he sees us as friends. We're not his servants. We're not his slaves. We're not his business associates. He sees us as friends. That's what he said. And so what is Christian faith all about and the feelings that will come out of it? It's about sitting down with Jesus and eating. 
chicken katsu or sushi or teriyaki beef sticks or laughing as we untie a lao lao and dip our fingers in three finger poi with the Lord and his screaming in horror when I tell him that sometimes I put sugar in milk in my poi. I probably shouldn't tell him that, but he's God. So he already knows that. And I like this verse because it's kind of like he is saying, hey, Danny, it's me, Jesus, knocking on the door. Open up. I want to be your friend. It's kind of like in the movie Frozen when Anna sings to her sister Elsa, who is a recluse behind a locked door, and she asks, do you want to build a snowman? Come on, let's go and play. I never see you anymore. Come out the door. It's like you've gone away. We used to be best buddies, and now we're not. I wish you could tell me why. Do you want to build a snowman? Doesn't have to be a snowman. Okay, bye. Sad, sad ending, but it doesn't have to end sad with us. Jesus is knocking on the doors of our life right now, right now as I'm talking to you. And he wants to be a friend, the best friend we could want with whom we can talk night or day. And with Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God the Father, I want to live a life with them as friends here on earth as well as in heaven. And without them, it's just stress, only stress, and not enough purpose. And no money or accomplishments could ever fill the loneliness and the vacuum in our soul searching for purpose. You know, there's an old painting of, of Jesus knocking on a door based on this verse. Holman Hunt, a, a pre-Raphael artist, painted this. And actually, he painted it three times, and one of them hangs in St. Paul's Cathedral. It's called Light of the World. And if you study this picture, you see that the door is kind of overgrown with thorns and thistles. And it doesn't look like someone has opened it in a long, long time, even though Jesus is there knocking on the door. And when Holman painted this picture, people loved it. But then one day, someone said to him, hey, you made a mistake. Do you realize if you look at the door, there's no door handle? No door handle? Look at the painting. Is that true? It is true. I love that. There's no door handle. But Holman said, no, 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 no. That's not a mistake. There is a handle, but the handle is on the inside. And I love that. In other words, Jesus is a gentleman. And when he knocks on our door, he doesn't force his way in. You have to open up the door. He won't open it up and force his way in. He leaves it up to us to invite him in and be a part of his life. But his promise is this, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and we can fellowship and have supper together. 
not only for now, but for eternity. And I believe that right now, the Holy Spirit may be prompting some of you in your heart to know and hear that Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. He is politely asking if you want to let him in and have the most adventurous life you could ever imagine. And if you have never really prayed to ask him into your heart, into your life, into your soul, I would like to lead you in a prayer of that right now. And if there's someone here who feels that long ago you might have asked Jesus to come in to your life, but you have closed the door shut at times, and this may be one of those times, and you'd like to open that up again. And so I'll be leading you in a prayer of recommitment, if you so choose, to open the door today. So let's pray. Lord, we are very grateful that you are so personal and you're always reaching out to us. You're always knocking on the doors of our heart. And you want to have supper with us, meaning you want to live life as friends in an intimate, fun, loving way. And so, Lord, I'm going to lead some people here in prayer. And may this be their prayer to you. And for those of you who have maybe never prayed a prayer to Jesus, to ask him into your life as Lord and friend and Savior, that you just might say this prayer with me in the quietness of your heart, just silently, and you can repeat after me some of these short phrases of just, Lord, thank you for reaching out. Thank you for knocking on the door of my heart. And I'm sorry that the door has been closed for some time. But I want to acknowledge that you are God. And so please come into my life. I want to commit my life to you. I want to be on this adventure to know you as friend and Lord and Savior. And may you be the Lord of every area of my life because I know what you want is best. And whether I feel blame or shame, I turn that over to you. So Lord, walk with me and I want you to be my best friend. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for being there always reaching out to me. And Lord, if there's some here who want to recommit their lives, they once made this commitment long ago, but they can tell this is a time of renewal and a time of recommitment. Lord, I, I want to lead everybody in a prayer on this. And you can say this with me for those of you who desire this. Lord, sorry that maybe I've shut the door on you. Sorry that I've been not as committed as I should have been. Sorry that I might have pushed you away. 
but thank you so much for living for me and dying for me and forgiving my sins. So please send your Holy Spirit in a new way. And may I really live out the fruits of the Spirit. And may I, I really want to be close to you, Lord, so I recommit my life to you. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you for always reaching out to me. In Christ's name, amen. You know, if any of you prayed that prayer, whether a first-time commitment or a recommitment, you'll notice in the chat area right now, there's a, a commitment button. Um, and if you could just hit that right now, and that's your way saying before the Lord, I've signed on the dotted line. And I would really encourage you also to hit that button that says request prayer, because someone would like to come alongside of you and just pray with you in a confidential way and kind of seal that before the Lord and just pray with you, because God always calls us into community, not as a lone ranger. And um, because when you eat with Jesus, we always eat in community, and, um, and it's far better than eating by ourselves. And now, having said that, here's our worship leaders again to lead us in a song before we celebrate communion together. And for some of you, this is your very first communion, knowing Jesus as Lord. Well, again, let me say thank you for joining us uh, during our service today. We are so grateful for your presence here. Remember that right after this service, we have our Alpha groups. You can just hit the button. It'll take you right in uh, to a live meeting uh, of your Alpha groups. And by the way, you know, if you've never joined an Alpha group yet so far during this series, you can join right now. It's the, all the groups are open groups. So if you want to join us even for the first time, please feel free to do so. And don't forget, next week, Place is open to be in person. So if you feel safe enough to come, safe enough to come please come and join us for a, a live uh, service uh, next week. But until then, please receive this blessing. May the Lord, who is faithful always to us, fill you with an extra measure of faith in your life. So as you face the, the struggles and difficult and challenging things of this week, you would lean hard against him and trust him even still. And may he fill you with a sense of courage and joy that flows from the Holy Spirit. For from him, through him, and to him are all things. To him be all the glory. Amen. Well, God bless you. May the Lord keep you. Aloha, everyone. And we will see you next week. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing. As we ingest and experience the work of God, we build our faith in Him. If you want to catch up on or re-listen to previous services, you can find past sermons on our websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. You can also find First Prayer sermons on most major podcast services and on YouTube. Good news, First Prez will be restarting in-person worship services Sunday, February 13th at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. And of course, these services will be streamed live online at fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. Remember to sign up on the website for First Prez emails for links to sermons, daily devotionals, church news and updates, and lots more. And as always, if there's anything First Prez can do for you, please reach out through the websites or just call 
512-532-1111. For Senior Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2022 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.